Good morning. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. I want to welcome everybody to our services. Good to see each of you here this morning. And if you're visiting with us, thank you for honoring us with your presence this morning. Just want to uh, also invite you back for our PM services this evening at 6 p.m. And also remind you that we have a midweek Bible study on Wednesday at 7 p.m. So I encourage you to, to join us for that. So we had a, uh, a really great men's retreat this weekend. We had uh, two sessions on Friday evening and two sessions on Saturday morning, and we ended up with 59 attendees, which is a record, the most we've ever had for it, and that was um, also nine congregations that, that uh, uh, were involved that, that came. So it was really a, really a great turnout. I think we had about 40 from, from Rome, so uh, really a good time. Great fellowship, and um, you know, the, the lessons really helped us to think about the roles that godly men play in, in his kingdom uh, with our families and with those that we come into contact with on a daily basis. So I just want to thank Chris. Uh, you know, Chris put a lot of time and effort into pulling through the, the content, and uh, he spoke on Friday evening and even cooked breakfast for everybody on Saturday morning. So I want to thank Chris for for all of that, and as well as uh, Gary and Pam overseeing the, the food, they always do a great job with that, and, and everybody that sent food out, uh, it did not go to waste, we, we certainly appreciated it. And if you weren't able to, uh, to attend, you know, I just uh, would encourage you to go ahead and pencil it on your calendar. It's always the middle of, the, of March, uh, so go ahead and get that on your calendar for next year. I guarantee you, you will uh, be glad you came and, and be encouraged by, by attending it. Also, just wanted to mention that next Sunday, we will be starting back our singing at Wingate. Uh, this is something that we've done years past prior to COVID. We used to do it all the time, and of course with COVID we had to, to cancel that and, and weren't able to, to get in there. But next Sunday we'll start that back, and that's at the assisted living facility here in Proctorville. And that'll be at 
2 p.m. So next Sunday we have our potluck. We'll have our afternoon services at 1. And then as soon as those uh, f- that finishes up at 2 p.m., we'll go over to Wingate and uh, we'll sing. Usually about 30 minutes we'll sing and have just a, a short devo. And it's, it's really an encouragement uh, for those individuals. And I think it's just a great opportunity to, uh, to reach out to the community. So just encourage you to join us for that. Love to have as many of you as can make it um, to, to be there with us. And along those same lines, I just encourage you to, to pick up a Rome journal and, and take a look at the, um, the article on the front page. It's about our life groups. And, you know, we've rolled these out at the end of last year. And uh, just really encouraged and excited that we're able to get those back up and running. And I, I think this, uh, Gary wrote this, I think it has a really good line. And, and really the purpose of these life groups are designed to bring our members closer together and have a deeper relationships with each other. And that's, that's what we strive to do. And, and hope these life groups can, can accomplish that. So take a look at the, uh, the article and I just encourage you to, to get involved with the various life groups. You know, it's always good to be together to, to worship our God. And as we prepare to enter our worship services this morning, let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you at this time, God, thanking you for the blessing of a Another first day of the week that we can come here to worship you, to sing praises to you. Father, we thank you so much for all your many attributes that that you reveal to us, Father, for your love, your compassion that you uh, have shown to us through your son, Jesus. And as we prepare to memorialize him here in a few minutes, Father, we just thank you for him. Thank you for the sacrifice that he made for each of us for that hope that each of us now have because of that sacrifice. Father, we uh, are thankful for the, the church here at Rome. We ask your blessings upon our time here this morning. Pray that we can, can be strengthened, can grow closer to you, to grow closer to each other, that we can attain that unity, Father, that we read about in your word, that we are told that we need to strive to as a uh, body of believers. And Father, we uh, are mindful of so many that are struggling with various health issues, those that are in our bulletin, those that were mentioned in class this morning. We just pray that you'll be with each of them, pray that you will uh, heal them and restore their health. They can be back here uh, worshiping with us once again. Father, just uh, pray that everything that we do this morning will be in accordance to your uh, will and, and what we read about in your word and that uh, you'll be pleased by our worship and our time here together. And Father, forgive us when we do fall short and sin against you. It's through Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Please stand for the first song. First time this morning, number 180, God is love.
Next hymn this morning, number 173, 173, God of our fathers. After this hymn, Brother Dwight Dunford will have our scripture reading and prayer.
The scripture that was chosen for today's lesson is from Acts 20, verses 22 through 24. Acts 20, 22 through 24, and I'm reading the English Standard Version. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me, but I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Let us go to God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful this day, Lord, to, to be together, to worship you in song and in word. Indeed, Lord, we, we ask you to be in our service as we glorify thy name. Help us, Lord, to uh, reach out to those that cannot be here for some reason or other and, and to remember those that are sick and, and need, need our help and need our prayers. We ask you, Lord, to be with us today as we remember Jesus Christ in the communion service that we will have today. We ask you, Lord, that we clear our minds of all, all things that might cause us to not, not remember and not, not to think about the things that, that we need to help us to remember Christ and the sacrifice he made for us. Forgive us, Lord, when we, we fall short of the things that we should do and the things that we should say. We're thankful, Lord, for this weekend that we were, had the privilege to gather together with men of like faith at the men's retreat and to hear the good lessons that were given and to remind us as, as Christ went out and told the disciples that they would now be fishers of men and and we, we are thankful for the lessons that we heard this weekend. Be with us throughout this service, we pray. And, and we thank you and glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Next hymn this morning, number 859. He paid a debt. 859.
In preparation for the Lord's Supper this morning, I'll be reading from Luke chapter 22, beginning with verse 14. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I say to you, I shall never eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Will you pray as we give thanks for the bread? Dear God, our Father in heaven, we praise you for all that you are, for all that you mean to us. Father, we this morning lift you up above all other things. Father, we are so thankful and we are so indebted to you, Father, for the gift of your Son, that you sent him to the cross, that he willingly suffered and died for our sins. Father, we ask your blessing upon this bread, which represents his broken body. Bless each of us as we take of it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we continue our thanks. We're thankful, Father, for the gift of your Son, and we ask your blessing upon this cup as we take of it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Is there anyone that was missed? We also are instructed to give back a portion in which we have been so richly blessed. And I think we can all say that, uh, that that's the position that we're in. And so, if you will, bow with me as we give thanks. Our Father in heaven, we are truly blessed, Father, and we understand the, the rich blessings that you have bestowed upon each of us. Father, we live in a time where uh, we, are, we are wealthy, Father, and, and we, we live in, in nice homes, and, and, and we understand, Father, that there are many of, 
around this world that, that may not be so fortunate. Father, we ask your blessing upon this time that you allow us to give back a portion which we have been blessed. We ask your blessing upon especially our elders as they will determine the ways in which that money will be, be spent and, and be shared throughout our community. Father, watch over us and bless us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all please stand again. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we'll sing hymn number 760. Who will follow Jesus? Number 760. At this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. Who will follow Jesus? Stand before the Who will follow Jesus? Who will make 
The invitation hymn for this morning will be number 272, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Good morning. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you, you kind of walk in, maybe it's to a job or maybe it's to a college class, and uh, whoever's in charge really lets you know how the day's going to go or how your work's going to go. When, uh, when I went to college, they had this really helpful thing called syllabuses. Syllabi, I think, is the plural. I learned that in college. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you would walk into class the very first day, and they would hand you this piece of paper. And on that piece of paper were all of your responsibilities for the upcoming semester. They had uh, dates on there for tests. They had responsibilities for papers and things like that. So everything that you needed to know was on that piece of paper. And that was really helpful for me because now I know what's coming up. Maybe uh, you, on your first day at the job, somebody ahead of you took you around and said, well, this is, this is what we do. This is, this is how this job functions. This is, this, is, this is what we do. And so you were prepared. You knew exactly what was going to happen. Over the next three weeks, we're talking about three guys who knew exactly what was going to happen when they started their brand new job of joining Jesus in his mission. We're in the book of Acts. Uh, today we're in Acts 6 and, and chapter 7. Um, and we're, we're meeting a guy named Stephen. Next week, we're going to meet a guy named Philip. Uh, both of these guys are deacons in the Jerusalem church. There's seven deacons. We're going to talk about them today. Uh, but both Stephen and Philip are, are deacons. And each one of them, along with Paul uh, on, our, on our third week, are recruited to follow Jesus, to join him in his mission in this place. And so they have some things to teach us about us joining Jesus in his mission in this world. So we want to start with Stephen. So if you've got your Bibles, flip over to Acts chapter 6. This is where you meet Stephen. He's a good guy. Stephen's a good man. He's a God, God's man. Um, in fact, he's chosen to serve in a capacity um, that very few people were qualified for. And he's qualified because of his... Uh, his spirituality. Acts chapter 6. Let's start in verse 1. What's the need of the Jerusalem congregation? Remember, they've, they've, they've grown so much. Uh, years have passed by this point uh, between Acts 2 when the church is founded and Acts 6. Uh, several years have passed. We're not privy to exactly how many uh, years or how much time has passed. But it seems to me that um, maybe a couple years have passed, maybe more. Maybe slightly less. Um, but some time has passed between Acts chapter 2, when the church is founded, and Acts chapter 6, where we find ourselves today. There are at least 5,000 Christians in this brand new church. Um, they uh, have come, at least a lot of them have come, um, to Passover. On that very first Passover, when uh, Jewish men were required to come to Jerusalem three times a year. One of those was Passover. One of them was Pentecost. Passover and Pentecost are 50 days apart. So they come to Passover, they just kind of live with family or, or hang out for about 50 days, and then they, they take the Feast of Pentecost, and then they normally head home. That's not at all what happened on that day, on that Pentecost, this, this year that Jesus died. He died on Passover for the, um, to, to take our sins away, and then on Pentecost, the church is instituted 
um, and they tell us how to come inside the church so that those sins can be removed. Uh, and so on that, on that Pentecost, a lot of these Jewish people that came for the, for the feasts just stayed. The church is new. They don't want to go home. They want to stay with this new family that they found. And so they just, they just stay. The problem with this is their money wasn't in banks. Uh, like, like today, if you were to go to, uh, to California, you could, you could find your money, right? Uh, somehow, some way, you could, you could get it over there or go to Utah or wherever you go. You could access your money somehow. They, they, it's not true in the first century. And so the money that they might have had back home, they don't have now. Maybe they didn't have any money back home to bring with them. Uh, whatever the case, the, some of these folks are struggling. And so a need arises in the first century church. Let's, let's read it. It's Acts chapter 6. Let's start in verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, remember everything's going well in the church. Uh, it's growing by leaps and bounds despite opposition by the Jews and by uh, those within the church that are half-hearted like Ananias and Sapphira. So it's growing by leaps and bounds. A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So maybe there's some stuff there that you don't know what's going on. So let, let's break apart some of, these, uh, some of these words and try to get down to what's, what's really happening. So Hellenists... Maybe, that, maybe that's the first word you read through this passage. You're like, I don't know what a Hellenist is. Well, a Hellenist is a Greek Jew. They're not from Jerusalem. They're not from Judea. They're from the Greek world. So like Asia Minor, the, Paul, the, the places that Paul's going to kick around in uh, during the New Testament, uh, the books that he writes, and those, uh, that area, that's, that's the Greek world. Philippi, Thessalonica, Asia Minor, Corinth, all that, that whole area. Everywhere that's not Jerusalem and Judea is the Greek world. And so these Jews, they're Jewish by faith, um, but they're Greek um, because of nationality, basically. And so they have come to take Passover and Pentecost, and then the church was instituted, and they just, they just stayed. There's no way they're leaving, right? This is too good. It's too precious. I'm staying right here. Uh, and so needs arise, and the apostles are doling out money to help various people. Anyone who's in need comes, and they get the money that has been donated by other members of the church, and they take that money, and they live off of it until they're no longer needy. And so that's what's going on. The problem is some of the Greek Jews, their widows, the most needy among them, are being overlooked. It's not on purpose. Uh, no doubt it's, it's an accident. Um, they, they simply have so many people and so few servants. There's, there's not enough apostles to really take care of this need. And the apostles are busy doing other things. And so the, the need arises where these widows need to be taken care of. And so the church says, well, what are we going to do? Well, here's what they do. They appoint seven guys. If you flip down to, uh, to verse 5, you read these guys' names. Um, Stephen's the very first one, but then Philip, our, the guy that we're talking about next week, 
Um, and you keep, keep reading through their names, Procreus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicolaus. All these guys are Greeks. These are all Greek names. So you see what's happened. The Greeks raise their hands and they say, hey, we're, we're being overlooked. Our widows are being taken advantage of. All, all the Jewish widows, all the ones from this area, they're being taken care of great, but our widows, they're being overlooked. And so you know what the church does? They, they come together. The apostles convene the entire congregation, the entire church. All 5,000 plus of them meet in one area. That must have been something. And they talk through this issue. And so what they eventually come down on is, here's what we're going to do. We're going to appoint seven Greek guys. And they're going to take care of, if I'm reading it right, all of the daily distribution. And so they're not just looking after their own widows, the Greek widows. They're looking after the Hebrew widows too. So you see what the church has done? They said, you seem to think that, and, and probably rightly so because of the way it plays out in the text, you, you, you see us as taking advantage of your widows. And so we're entrusting not only your widows, but our widows to you as well. We, we don't want there to be any division among us. We, we trust you. We want to do what's right. You're in charge of, of all of this now. They've gone above and beyond, haven't they? Uh, they they've, they're all in, right? So that's, that's kind of what's going on. That's the, the need of the Jerusalem church, and that's how they fix it. Let's look at these qualifications of these guys. In verse 3, the, the disciples um, are summoned by the, by the 12 apostles. In verse 2, uh, and the apostles saying, well, it's not right that we should give up the preaching of the word of God to serve tables. And so this is not a glamorous task that these, that these seven guys are, um, are tasked with. This isn't something that um, many people might want to do. Uh, you might find yourself wanting to do something more like what the apostles themselves are doing. Uh, they're out there evangelizing, they're teaching, they're preaching, and, and droves are coming, right? People are coming. Uh, to Christ, and so maybe you see that as the more glamorous task. But these guys are, are tasked with the way the apostles put it, waiting tables, and so they're going, I assume, house to house, or at least group to group, um, and saying, "Who's needy here?" And one person will raise their hand, and they'll say, "Well, here's my need." And the, these seven guys will say, "Well, here, here's that that should cover. It. You think that'll cover it? All right, good deal." And then they'll move on to the next group, and so. That's what's going on. Verse 3 are, are these guys' qualifications because you don't want just anybody having the purse strings to this church. What would have happened had Ananias and Sapphira been given the purse strings to the church? I don't know. I tend to think it would have gone south, <laughs> don't you think? Um, they're not really trustworthy. But even beyond that, these guys are qualified beyond even being trustworthy. Check out their qualifications in verse 3. Acts chapter 6, verse 3. It says, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. No, they're blameless. No, nobody's got a, uh, an infraction against one of these guys. You, you can't really point a finger at one of these guys and say, Well, this guy, he's lazy. Or this guy, he's greedy. This guy, he's prideful. That's, that's not true of the guys that, that they're going to choose. So they're full of good repute. Uh, he's full of the Spirit. That's an interesting term, especially when you read through the rest of this passage. I don't think he's talking about the miraculous ability of the Holy Spirit, although that's coming. These guys are apparently going to be um, imbued with that because we know Stephen will, in just a few um, 
versus be able to do miracles after the apostles laid hands on him. But I think in this instance, it's more like we have the Spirit. Um, this is uh, the fruits of the Spirit. And so like in Galatians 5, uh, Paul will talk to us about what the outworking of the Spirit will look like in your life. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, what will that look like in your life? Well, it looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? It looks like these things, and that's how you portray yourself to the world. It's your knee-jerk reaction. Often our knee-jerk reaction is not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control, right? But if the Spirit is living inside of us, that's that's the knee-jerk reaction. He has changed our personality. We've spent so much time with him, he's rubbing off on us. Right? That's, that's I think, what uh, is said of these guys. They're full of the Spirit. I think that's what he means. I think that's what Luke means when he's given the, this qualification for these seven guys. These guys need to be full of the Spirit in that, their knee-jerk reaction are the fruits of the spirit, so they're full of. Uh, they're uh, they have, well, they're they have a good repute. Uh, they're full of the spirit, and they're also wise. These guys are are smart, but they also learned how to apply their intelligence. Right? It's not just that they are making good decisions. These guys are making wise decisions. Do you see the difference? Not all good decisions are wise, right? Not all the decisions that we make are wise. So sometimes it's better to keep our mouths shut or sometimes it's better to, to speak. Uh, and so these guys know when to speak and when to be silent, when to listen and when to be more forceful. And so that's, that's one of the things that is a characteristic of these guys who are entrusted with so much. But at the same time, the job is not so much demeaning, but it's, it's definitely a background job. You're not, you're not going to see these guys on the announcement slides. They're not going to be talked about just a ton, but they do a necessary work. So they need to have these kinds of qualifications. Well, check out what happens when they do their job. Acts chapter 6, verse 7, he says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. That last little bit there is really important. So let's break it down first, right? The, the, the first half, the church has increased over the last how many ever years it's been since Acts 2 by leaps and bounds. And the Jews will try to stand up and they'll, they'll try to throw a monkey wrench in it. And God says, no, that's, that's not how it's going to work. We're, this mission continues. And half-hearted Christians, Ananias and Sapphira being the prime examples here, uh, will stand up and they'll try to throw a monkey wrench into God's mission. But it doesn't work either. Um, and now Satan, through... Um, through this incident of the, the, the Greek widows being overlooked, is going to try to throw a monkey wrench into God's mission. But there, there again, it's not going to, to work. The church just continues growing. They continue increasing. Um, in fact, Luke records for us that they multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. But the fun part for me is uh, the priests became obedient to the faith. I, I love that Luke records that little tidbit for us. When priests 
leave their religion, that religion is just about dead, isn't it? These guys have the most to gain from staying in Judaism. They don't have land. The Levites, you're familiar with the Old Testament section, uh, where the Levites don't have land. Um, they don't, they're, they're not farmers. They live off the sacrifices, right, um, that the people bring to the temple. And so if they leave Judaism, they're throwing everything away. Not only their national religion, the religion that they grew up with, but also their livelihood. These guys are throwing all of that away. They had to do it for a reason, right? They had to see truth, power, conviction in the early church. And so when Luke records for us that many of the priests are also coming to Christ, now we're really tipped off. Judaism's dead. He's moving into a new section. But even more than that, what the priests had to see in the early church, the love, the power, all those things had to be present for them to buy into this, right? These guys are, are coming into the church, throwing everything away and gaining more than they left behind. They had to see that. So it's not like they say, well, I'm making a bad trade. It's like they say, I'm happy to give this away so that I can have Christ. It's exactly what Paul says in Philippians 3.8, right? When he says, I count all things as rubbish. Everything's trash so that I can know him. Because knowing him is more important than anything else. So that's, that's where we're at with, with Acts chapter 6 and 7. Now, you know how Stephen's story ends, right? And if you don't, I'll spoil a surprise for you. You can read it later. But... At the end of uh, chapter 7, Stephen's stoned to death. Um, basically, they, they, put a, they dig a pit um, right outside of Jerusalem's gates, and they put him in the middle of the pit, and they stand around the pit, and they throw rocks at him until he's dead. All because he refused to stop speaking about Jesus. And he gives this incredibly eloquent and powerful um, message to them in, in chapter 7 where he, he indicts them and, and convicts them um, of killing Christ. They, their eyes were shut when they should have been open. They should have been paying attention, looking for the Messiah. But they, when they saw him, it just made them mad because he was taking the kingdom back from them. And they wanted their power. They were greedy for it. And he says, this, this is not good. You're, you're acting the exact same way that your fathers were because they persecuted the prophets God had sent in the Old Testament. You did the exact same thing, but you killed God in the New Testament. And it just happened a few years ago in Acts chapter 6 and 7. And so they stoned Stephen because of this, but they can't really find a way to indict him. He hasn't done anything wrong. And so much like the chief priests had to do with Jesus, they bring in guys that are going to lie about him, and that's how they're able to enact this capital punishment for Stephen, But the question we really need to ask Stephen is, what does your life tell me you understood about following Jesus? Because Luke records some details for us here that I think are important, that sh shine light, that draw focus to what Stephen understood. 
So what does Stephen understand about following Jesus? And what can I, what should I understand about following him too? This is the question that we're going to ask all three of these guys. We're going to ask this of Stephen. We're going to ask this of Philip. And, and the final week, we're going to ask the same thing of Saul who turns into Paul. But for Stephen, the, the answer is, when I follow, or when I was recruited to join Jesus' mission, I understood it was all about excelling in spirituality. It was all about excelling inside of Christ. This guy was already uh, a spiritual guy when we meet him. Remember, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's exhibiting these traits that the Spirit has, um, that the Spirit, uh, outward signs <laughs> that the Spirit lives inside of us. He's acting in those ways already. Um, and flip over to Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. Peter's going to give us some qualities uh, that no doubt these guys exhibited as well. And in fact, Peter's going to say, this is how you never stumble. That should get our attention right off the bat. He says it here toward the end of this passage. If you do these things and they're constantly increasing in you, you'll never fall. You'll never falter. That's what I want. So verse 5. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, he says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, if these things are constantly abounding inside of you, if these are your reactions or um, this is how you, you interact with life, this is something that you're constantly focused on, growing these qualities, you'll never fall. Most of these things are not, don't come naturally to most of us, but there's something all of us are capable of learning. And the day we refuse to accept less than the best we can give is the day we really start this journey. Every day we wake up and say, it's a brand new day. I'm going to give my absolute best. I'm giving everything I've got. I, I'm, no more half-heartedness, no more halfway, no more laziness. I, I'm, I'm going. I'm all in. It demands, this life demands excelling in spirituality. Good enough is never good enough, Right? We're not going to get to heaven and God's going to say, well, that was good. You did good enough. He's looking for people like Stephen who are all in. We have to grow in our faith. That's the only way we can win this race that we're in. Stephen's a tenacious guy, right? He, he is focused on these things. Um, like we said earlier, we know that he was focused on spirituality before he was ever chosen as one of the seven. You don't get to be one of these seven guys if you're not tenacious. And that speech he gives at the end of, um, or all throughout chapter 7, really shows his backbone. He automatically acts like Jesus. If you check out the end of his speech, as he's being stoned, do you know what he does? 
He forgives his executioners. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because that's exactly what Jesus does. You want to know how to act like Jesus in any given circumstance? You better spend massive amounts of time with him in the word, studying how he reacts to life. That will force you to excel spiritually. That's the only way to do it. There's not a there's not a easy way out. This is the only way to, to excel spiritually is to spend massive amounts of time with him in his word. And so Stephen says, Life is about excelling in Jesus. It's also about serving in whatever capacity I can. Stephen is chosen. Um, I think he would have wanted this job, right? But like I said earlier, this is not a glamorous job. This is not something that, that uh, people would have been knocking down the, the doors to get. But it is something spiritual people would want. We come and hear the phrase, we bloom where we're planted. That's exactly what Stephen is doing here. He's happily going about his ministry when the Jews pick a fight with him. He didn't start that fight. The Jews started that fight. They they. they wanted to trip him up like they wanted to trip up Jesus, but he's so wise on his own, no doubt from spending time with God in the Old Testament. And because he's now inspired by the Holy Spirit, these guys, they can't beat his argument, so they have to lie about him. We're not always given the ministry we, we want. Maybe our talents lie in other areas, but we can't, we can't really see it. Um, maybe the, the church really needs me to serve in capacity A, but I see myself serving in capacity H. Preaching wasn't Stephen's ministry necessarily. He was supposed to be the guy handing out food to the needy. But when he saw an opportunity, he jumped to serve. We need to jump to serve, right? We need to be focused on serving. We need to be happy to serve. Um, when Jesus walks into the house uh, that he's going to do the, the, uh, the Last Supper in, nobody washes anybody's feet. It's the lowest form of, of servanthood uh, in his day. It's, it's the most menial task. And so no one does that. Everyone thinks they're, they're too good for that. And uh, he does it, right? He jumps to serve. We need to jump to serve in whatever capacity we can. So that's something we can learn from Stephen. It's also about sacrifice. Joining Jesus' mission is about sacrifice. Stephen will ultimately give his life to keep his connection with Jesus. And he does so happily. It's a good trade, right? To give his life so that he can keep Jesus. And like we said earlier, by this point in his life, he's so much like Jesus, he forgives his executioners. It's not just this one-time sacrifice. Being recruited by Jesus means a life of sacrifice, service, and spirituality. When Jesus asks if we're ready to be his disciples, he phrases it in a way that excludes the possibility of doing our own thing. You remember how he phrases it? Take up your cross and follow me. Take up, slip the noose around your own neck. Strap yourself into the electric chair and you come follow me. He is demanding sacrifice on our part. This life is one of sacrifice. It's built into the fabric of the Christian life. Like practice is a constant habit of an athlete, sacrifice is a constant habit in, Christ, in Christianity. Those sacrifices come 
or serve as a purifying process for us so that we can find joy in them. Remember what James would say in James 1, 2 through 4. He says, count it all joy, my brothers. Not when good things happen to you, right? But when you fall into various trials, when bad things happen to you. James says, you should find joy in that. That's hard, isn't it? But if you pay attention to those around us that have struggled, that have gone through so much pain, they have a greater intimacy. They enjoy a greater intimacy with the Father than most of the rest of us. We may not envy the pain that that got them there, but certainly we should envy the intimacy that they have now. That doesn't come through good times. That only comes through pain. And so James says in in chapter 1, 2 through 4, that's why we can and should find joy in those things. That's why we can and should find joy in sacrifice. That's why it's built into the fabric of our lives because it's the one thing that has the power to drag us closer to Him, to make us intimate with Him, to make us so dependent on Him that that's all we can see. And so when people hate us, and so when people might throw stones at you even when they kill you you see it as a sacrifice that's worth making I think Stephen was happy to do this earlier uh, we find the apostles when they're beaten do you remember this they come back to the church and what do they say oh we get to suffer like Christ suffered I think that exact same thought, I, I wish we were told, but just in my mind's eye, I can see Stephen as those rocks are being hurled, thinking, this is exactly what happened in Jesus, and I'm so happy that I get to line up alongside him so that I can sacrifice in this way. Life's about sacrifice. If we want to join Jesus on his mission, sacrifice is necessary. It's mandated. It's built into our life. Along with service and spirituality, these three S's, this is what life is like inside of Christ. It's good, super abundant, overflowing. But we don't need to miss the spirituality that's necessary. We need to excel in that. Never stop, always growing always fighting, right? We need to be eager to serve in whatever capacity we can. Nothing's too low for us. Nothing's too high for us. We need to be eager to serve, jump at those opportunities. And we also need to be eager to sacrifice because that's where the growth, the intimacy with the Father really happens. Stephen got it. We need to learn it. That's something we can learn from him. So what's it look like to be recruited into Jesus' mission, Stephen? Well, it looks like excelling in spirituality. It looks like being eager to serve. It looks like being eager to sacrifice. Are you ready? Are you eager? You ready to go? You ready to get inside of Christ, to have your sins washed away? That's the power that He alone has, and it happens only through baptism. That's the function that He has set up to save us. Through His grace, in baptism, all of our sins are washed away. Maybe you've already made that decision this morning and you just need the prayers of this congregation to be 
somebody who is ready to sacrifice, who's ready to serve, who is ready to excel spiritually. If you have any need this morning, won't you come as we stand and sing? Evan James comes forward this morning. Evan's been visiting with us, he and his family, his wife, Christy, and uh, their five children have been visiting with us for, for several weeks, uh, months now, I guess. It's been, it's been a little while. Um, but uh, they've fallen on some hard times and they've struggled a little bit. Um, and he says being here around all of us, and, uh, he wants to rededicate his life uh, to Christ. He wants to focus on um, throwing away some of the world's stuff like Stephen did. We get so focused on some of these things. We hold on so tight to them. Um, and he says, I'm ready to let some of those things go. Uh, so that's, that's an awesome, awesome statement. Um, so I'm going to ask one of our elders, um, Gary, if you don't mind, come up and say a prayer for, uh, for Evan um, and include all of his, his uh, wishes there. Pray with me, please. Father in heaven, we uh, come to you this morning, uh, Father, just as as your servants and and Father, as as your sons and daughters, and and Father, we we at times we just we just need you, Father, and and uh, there's times that maybe that that we fall short of what uh, of what you would want us to do and. And Father, we always uh, know that you will forgive us and, and we know that you will help us, Father, in that desire to, to serve you better. And, and Father, we're thankful for Evan and 
We're thankful, Father, for his heart uh, that, uh, that he wants to, uh, to do better. And, and Father, we're uh, thankful that, uh, that he feels better being around this congregation that we have encouraged him. And, and Father, we're thankful for him and his family. And, and Father, for the role that, that he has a, as a father with, with, with five children and father and a wife and and the classes that we have just uh, had in our men's retreat father how our fathers uh, need to raise our children raise godly children and and we know that he has that desire he wouldn't be back father this morning uh, asking for prayers and asking for help and and we just pray that you'll bless him we pray that you'll bless his family and Father, help us all to, to help him and help each other because our main goal is, is to get to heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning, church family. Hope everybody's doing all right. And uh, what a blessing it is to be nice and warm in a building. Uh, this morning because it's so cold outside. I cannot wait till summer. Um, so a couple announcements before we are dismissed. As a reminder that next Sunday is the potluck. Um, so we'll have one o'clock service, no six o'clock service. Um, but at two o'clock, as soon as um, one o'clock service over, at two o'clock we'll be heading to Wingate, as Mike said earlier, and have a singing. Do encourage everybody to come to that because it's such a blessing to... Um, be able to sing to those people, and uh, and it's so rewarding afterwards. So uh, I do encourage you to go to that. Also, today's a deacons meeting at five o'clock, so all deacons are encouraged to come to that. And afterwards, will be an elders meeting uh, this evening. Um, life group three is Jeremy's uh, life group. We'll be having a meeting uh, this evening after evening worship, and uh, Jeremy will have an announcement after I have mine. Is it about life groups? No. Okay, it's not about life groups. Total surprise, so stick around. Um, also, uh, this Tuesday's Young at Heart will be heading to Longhorn Steakhouse. Uh, we'll be meeting here at the building at 1030. Also, uh, the egg hunt is April 1st. Uh, out in the foyer, there are some plastic bags and some plastic eggs. If you'd be happy to fill some candy in those bags, I mean, not in the bags, but in the eggs, and um, put them in my office, I'd greatly appreciate that. Um, uh, it helps out a lot. Also, April 5th is Stepping Stone Supper. Breakfast is on the menu. I love breakfast for dinner. Um, also, um, April 24th through the 26th is Flatwoods Gospel Meeting. So uh, you can, it's always good to, to go visit other uh, churches around the area to encourage them. And uh, it encourages us as well. So that their gospel meeting is April 24th through the 26th. So please make plans to come to that. Also on our prayer list, uh, Dean Covey wants to thank Life Group 2 for cards they sent him a couple weeks ago. Uh, so um, he wanted to have that announced. Also, uh, remember to continue to keep uh, Jennifer Baker in your prayers as well. Uh, she is done with her chemo treatments at this time, um, so, which is good. So just remember to continue to keep her in your prayers as well. Uh, keep Beverly Edwards um, Beverly Edwards has a friend that's requesting prayers. Her name is Paula Noble, 
and Paula had a fall yesterday and suffered some, uh, she's all bruised up and suffered a uh, broken wrist, uh, so keep her in her prayers as uh, she recovers from that fall. That's um, Paula Noble. Also, remember, continue to keep Jimmy Wilgus and Jim Haney in your prayers um, as they continue their cancer treatments, and uh, keep uh, Terry Leaf in your prayers as well. Um, he's having a tough time. Uh, that's Gary Leap's brother. Also, keep Daryl Hall in your prayers. He had surgery, uh, not last week, but the week before, and he's recovering at home. So keep him in your prayers as he recovers. And uh, keep Ron Sanders in your prayers and Amber Spitzer. And keep uh, Wayne Stevens in your prayers as well. He had surgery Friday. Coming Wednesday. That's right, Wednesday. He had surgery this coming Wednesday, so keep him in your prayers um, as, uh, and keep the family in your prayers as well. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 6 o'clock. Um, we'll sing, well, Jeremy will have announcements, and then we'll sing one more song we dismissed in prayer. As you may or may not know, the local area congregations are trying to begin a Christian school down at South Point uh, Elementary School. Rome, South Point, Greasy Ridge, Ironton, 26th Street, Pikeville, Waverly, Canal, Winchester. I think that's all of them. Anyway, it's a go. Uh, I think we are, uh, we got a couple small legal hurdles to overcome. But outside of that, I think we're ready to make this announcement, so I'm going to read it. Riverview Christian Academy is now accepting applications for kindergarten to third grade for the fall of 2023. Active members of the church are encouraged to apply as teachers. Volunteers are needed for other duties as well. Tax-deductible monetary donations can now be accepted. Please see Jeremy Connie for more information, and please keep this important evangelistic effort in your prayers. And there are some brochures in the back on the table. If you want to pick up one of those, learn more about it, or you can see me and Connie, we can fill you all in. So, appreciate it. Pray for it. Pray that it's a success. Uh, I think it'll be very beneficial for this area. Thank you. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 273. We'll sing the first two verses of I Know the Lord Will Find a Way. <clears throat> and then Brother Nathan Thompson will we'll have a prayer. I know the Lord will have a way.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are also very thankful to have been able to come back together as a family this morning and study your word. We ask your prayer uh, that you help all those that have been mentioned this morning that are suffering from sickness and illness. Please be with this young family. Give uh, him guidance as they navigate these new uh, beginnings or whatever the, the next direction this family goes in, Father. We just ask that you keep everyone safe as they return home and allow everyone to return back this evening to uh, study more about your love for them and, and sing praises in your name, in your son's name. Amen. <laughs> 